Welcome to this week's episode of Trust Me with Rachel Parker. I am Rachel Parker, and this production is being brought to you by MidMap Media and the Heartland Pod. Support what we do by leaving a five-star rating and a review wherever you listen to the show, and follow us on social media with at the Heartland Pod, and check out heartlandpod.com and click the Patreon link to learn about becoming a podhead today. So on this week's show, uh, I tried to hustle an interview for you guys. It kind of fell through. Scheduling is a problem. So uh, hopefully I will be able to pick that up where we left off for next week. But this week, um, I wanted to, speaking of picking things up, I wanted to talk about, continue the conversation that I started last week. So last week, I beat up on the news business pretty badly. Um, And I think it's important because I think we're about to go through another pretty serious uh, pace change thanks to AI and the uh, long overdue um, antitrust actions against uh, big tech. And one of the things, if we're going to kind of hit reset and figure out where to go, you have to be really honest about where you've been. And I think the news business in general has sort of this sense of waxy nostalgia about where it came from. And I, you know, as much as, listen, I, I think that there's no question that uh, a free press and um, a robust uh, journalism ecosystem is absolutely the other one of the most important uh, arms of a free society. I also need to we need to be honest about the fact that in the West, um, there is an entire generation of journalists in newsrooms that were largely white and largely male and didn't maybe perhaps serve their communities in the way that they'd like to remember that they did. But that aside, the other issue that I talked about last week is that in the earlier part of the century, um, that news business failed to rise to the occasion of the internet. They, they just lacked innovation and the weight of their own hubris failed to innovate in a way that would lead to their industry being more sustainable. And so if you tell yourself that your industry is so valuable that consumers will do, they'll they'll, they'll, they'll just always find you. You know, what we do is so important that consumers will just figure it out. I know, again, like I mentioned last week that because of my career's uh, and my jobs. Um, I was an, on a. I sat in front of a lot of panels with a lot of journalists between the, the years, two thousand to two thousand ten, and I heard one journalist who had just started her own, uh, subscription-based news site. She was a, a former L.A. Times journalist who was going out on her, her own. And at, at the time, this was the height of say like the Huffington Post and them being able to print money. Um, because they had kind of figured out uh, how to how to game the system through social media. We'll talk about kind of how the aggregation model, I think, is not a great one uh, for news business. Anyway, she said these words. I think the bloom is off the rose when it comes to free media. And you could feel this hush fall over the room. Um, it was a conference room in Los Angeles, and you could hear everybody just go, <gasps> like, okay, the bloom is off the rose for free media. All right. And uh, she was wrong. She was way wrong. And uh, the where we are now is that you know things are about to things are about to go from kind of bad to worse. And there are some 
uh, news outlets online that are making money. They don't make a huge mo- amount of money, but like the New York Times is profitable. And then it's just downhill from there. The Washington Post is having some recent struggles. Um, the only reason they still exist, obviously, is because a billionaire bought them. Uh, the only reason the LA Times still exists is because a billionaire bought them. And I don't think that, well, we have a billionaire is a sustainable news model, a sustainable business model for uh, a news outlet. Even The Intercept, which had billionaire money, um, their billionaire was like, you know what? Uh, the interest rates have gone up and um, I'm not going to be quite as generous. So now they're having their own issues. So I've talked a lot about the problems and I've talked a lot about kind of what led us to this moment in sort of a succinct way, I hope. But the question is, like, if I'm going to beat up on them, like, what is it that I think they should do? So let's 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 continue on my path of beating up these companies with two models that I think the news business still thinks of as kind of, quote, their saviors. One is sort of single source aggregation platforms, meaning that you go to a place to look for a bunch of information. And then the other is the subscription newsletter business and Substack would be um, the primary one. So let's start with that one. Let's start with, let's talk, let's talk about the second one first. Let's talk about uh, the, the success or lack thereof of uh, subscription newsletters. So Substack as 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 a as as being kind of the the premier location for we'll say self-appointed um thought leaders some of them are great some of them are not substack uh supports a lot of i'll say like alt-right nazi kind of content i don't want to name any of them but they uh they work with them and it's because they need all the money they can get so in 2021 all we know about substack is that they lost 25 million dollars uh there's two links in the show notes that are going to do a far better job discussing why we know that Substack as a privately held company is losing money. And it's because they tried to raise more. They had a scheduled round of investment and they failed to, uh, this was again, back in 2021, they failed to raise another round of VC backed money, which was scheduled. They just scheduled round. They couldn't do it. And so instead of going to, the uh, investment sector, they decided they were going to crowdfund more money, which was not a great, in my mind, not a great idea. So uh, Dan Primack, who's a name you might know, is a pretty active guy on Twitter, very smart about tech. Uh, and another piece from The Verge that talks about the kind of yikes situation that, fin- that financially that Substack finds itself in. Um, if Substack is failing to make money, uh, it means that even in my mind, it means that the only people that are making money from on Substack are the people that are using it. I think it points to, as I said before, kind of a greater issue, which is that I'm a big supporter of, uh, subscription models. I think they are tremendously valuable, but we can't just all, we can't subscribe our way out of this problem. You, me, and normal human beings simply do not have the ancillary income to sign up to multiple subscription-based news services. 
all of us already probably subscribe at least at the very least to like a Netflix. Maybe some of you still have um, cable subscriptions because of sports and the other things that you get from it. Uh, so the idea that that the news business can substack their way out of this is is fundamentally wrong. Um, substack also offers sort of a, a competition model for local news sources and that is also a problem because if you're subscribing to let's say like two or three Substacks, the next time you hit a paywall even if it's for a, a publication that you feel like you should support say like here locally for me it's the st louis post dispatch um i already subscribed to the kansas city star which is like i don't know like a hundred bucks a year um one of the Substacks i subscribe to is 10 bucks a month that's roughly the same money and I just don't think that the, as much as I want to support the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, I just don't think it's a good newspaper. It hasn't been for a long time. So I'm, I'm running out of money. I can't just keep doing this. So there's one problem. The Substack, even if I thought that people would subscribe to four or five or six or 10 or whatever Substacks, um, it's not making money. So that's, that's problem one or problem two, as I said before. So problem one, let's go back to kind of what I'm going to call this aggregation mindset. Back in the early days of the internet, uh, in the early 2000s, Google promised news outlets uh, a, was kind of like a revenue sharing model. And I think that because of the demographics, the age, and the relative inexperience with technology that editors and publishers had at the time... They just trusted the large tech companies at the time to make good on their promise to push money towards news outlets. And you don't need to be an expert in the internet to know how not well that went. Um, Google has made millions and millions and billions and billions and billions of dollars uh, by repurposing news content uh, in their search engine to such an ex extent that we take it for granted now. So the, uh, the other way that news publications, and again, I'm primarily talking about newspapers, but you know, the cable out, the cable networks are, you know, certainly fall into this category too. The other way that they've all kind of thought that they were going to sort of get around, uh, this sort of inevitable place that we find ourselves in now was through social media and initially facebook kind of did the same thing that google did they were like we're going to push news um we're we're going to reward newspapers we're going to push and again you don't have to be an expert in the internet to know how not well that went so the news business initially buzzfeed think of that model they enjoyed a tremendous financial boost initially from uh social 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 networks and social networks pulled the rug out from them uh, because suddenly the cost of advertising became commodified and you just couldn't compete with social if you're a newspaper. So if you were somebody that advertised products and uh, direct sales and things like that, you were just going to get much more bang for your buck on Instagram and Facebook than you were by going directly to the New York Times or something. So suddenly you have this problem where they're so much content on the internet that advertising is basically just worthless. Uh, it's, it's not going to make anybody any money. 
But um, the newspapers still have this idea that they uh, can, I don't know, find the find attention through other, um, I'll say like kind of aggregators. And I think that if you still think that search and YouTube will say both by owned by Google, by the way, or Alphabet um, are going to help your long term financial viability then I guess you haven't been paying attention. And by you, I mean, you know, publishers, basically big publishers. And um, such as it is that these, that, that uh, newspapers still make money from ads generated primarily by search to the extent that that still helps them make money. That is also endangered because of the latest uh, innovations in AI. So the idea that we all go to a box on a search engine to look for information that's going to lead you to a third party. I, I can't tell you what exactly it's going to look like in the future. Like I have some ideas that are starting to kind of take shape in my imagination based primarily on my usage of it and also kind of what people I follow are saying, but whatever it looks like in the future, it's going to be very different than what it is today. And if you are still in kind of that kind of what I'll call like an aggregator mindset, um, your, uh, your future is pretty dark. So there are a couple of companies that have kind of tried to say, okay, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to be different. Uh, Apple news is an example of this. Uh, and as is the social network post, which I'll talk about in a second, but Apple news had this idea where you pay $5 a month. I think that's what it costs for 99. And as a part of your uh, subscription, you get access to all these different publications. So Condé Nast, I think participates. I think the New York times might do some particip participation, the LA times, um, you know, you know, the drill you've seen it before and it didn't really work. And the idea was that, Apple would pay, it's the same old, same old story. We'll pay you money, New York Times, if you give our uh, subscribers access to your information. And Apple can afford to do that right now because it prints money. There's no guarantee that's going to, so they can afford to lose money on their television product. They can afford to lose money on their news product. They can afford to lose money on their music product because the other uh, things they do primarily sell iPhones and cash gigantic checks from Google for being the default search engine on all of their devices, all of that is probably about to change. So it hasn't really yielded a lot of money for news publishers. And so publishers understandably have a very, are now pretty gun shy about um, the tech world. So enter, and I hope all this isn't too confusing. I know I probably need like a flow chart or something, but um, hopefully you guys are following along. Uh, you got most people have used these things, so you kind of get it. So Post is uh, a new social platform and their stated mission is to be a social network for people who consume news. And instead of making, asking us to pay, and this is where I think they're different. They're asking, instead of asking us to pay a single usage fee that gives you access to this cadre of uh, news publications, they are asked, they basically say to the news publications, charge whatever you want for an individual story. And then you will read that story within the app. I'll use an example. I think the New Yorker uh, is one of the publications that has uh, joined the post uh, 
I think post is officially out of beta, but it still feels still feels like a beta to me. Uh, there's still a lot of features that they're really lacking, um, which is, you know, it's hard to, to it's certainly hard to get something off the ground uh, when it comes to anything related to media. Trust me. I know. So if you're in post and you see a story that you want to read from the New Yorker, the New Yorker sets the rate and they usually cost anywhere between, say, like three to twenty five cents. And post asks you to uh, link a credit card. And every time you can buy a points balance, um, so you can put as many points on your post account as you want. And every time you buy a story, it dings the balance. And then eventually it says you're out of points. Would you like more? And you can also give points to other post users, which is kind of cool. Some people have tipped me. Some very generous Heartland Pod fans have done the same. And I really like the user experience. It's certainly um, kind of a kinder uh, version of Twitter in some ways, but it's not a Twitter alternative. And I think the days of these massive aggregation platforms are over. And um, that might be good news for a lot of us because I think social is just for horrible for your mental health. Um, but it is probably not going to really be the future of news uh, consumption either. So I, I want post to work, but I don't, I don't think it will. And the reason I don't think it will is because the relationship that publishers have with tech platforms has historically burned them. So why would they trust somebody else? Right? If you're, I'll go back to the New York times. If you're the New York times and you are the most profitable news publication in North America, maybe the world, I don't know. They do okay. I mean, it's trivial. Their, their revenue is trivial compared to a big tech company, but it's still profitable and makes money and it allows them to do some pretty innovative and creative things. So everybody's playing catch up with them. Why, if you're the New York Times, would you water down access to your substantial ad stack that has a lot of value, such as it is, and your subscription platform, which also has a lot of value, such as it is, to join another nascent social news network that you have the absolute right to doubt right so i don't think post as much as i want it to work i don't think it's going to but the reason i brought them up is because i think the micropayment feature is the best single innovation that i have observed in the history of the internet when it comes to the consumption of news i'm going to say that one more time i think the micropayment feature is the significantly most valuable and important innovation to happen in the history of the internet when it comes to the consumption of news. So people are used to saying, okay, I don't want to own this thing, but I'll pay for like a one-time use of it. It's called rental. Um, we used to do it all the time with movies. We still do. We still like, you know, if you, most of us like don't go to the movie theaters anymore and we're like, oh, there's there's a new movie. I can rent it for, you know, $7 on, you know, Apple or Amazon or something. And I'll do that. So people are used to kind of having a credit card on file with someone and, uh, making a one-time, uh, payment of five or six bucks and having the single use of something. So if I were in the news business, and this includes people on Substack, by the way, this includes Substack writers, because those people, the, the owners of Substack, the second, that they realize that they can make a return on their investment for their investors, they're going to sell because they're going to have to probably, which means that a lot of Substack writers and that listen, they, 
Substack, the best thing they did was that they let news publishers, individual news publishers on their platform, take their sub subscribers with them wherever they go. So I'm a big fan of platform where I talk about Casey Newton a lot. I think he's one of the best uh, tech writers in the country. Um, if he leaves Substack, he can go wherever he wants and I'll follow him. He's got my email. Um, I'll sign up again. And, uh, and you know, uh, Patreon does the same thing. But, you know, the problem is if these companies crater and let's say that Substack gets sold to whoever, um, they can change the payment f- terms to their creators any time they want. So if a company like that, which is privately held currently, is hemorrhaging money, their investors are going to get impatient. They're impatient enough that they wouldn't give them more money, even though they were that was already a scheduled round. That's a big deal. So the writing is somewhat on the wall for Substack. Which means that this newsletter business um, is, which I think is really important because if I'm a young writer and I'm a young journalist and I'm looking, I have a real passion for journalism, especially let's say that you're somebody who just graduated from Mizzou, one of the best journalism programs in the country. Let's say you want to stay in Missouri and you want to move to, I don't know, St. Louis and you, or even you want, maybe you want to stay in KC, whatever. Um, And you look at the, likelihood of you being hired at a sustainable salary by either the St. Louis Post-Dispatch or the Kansas City Star, it's not great. A lot of competition. The pay is not very good. What do you do? Well, maybe you start a Substack and you, you try to build your following there and that's a slog. But listen, maybe it works out. Maybe you finally start to uh, build a following and I'm telling you right now that I... Now, I'm not discouraging you from doing it, but I'm telling you right now that Substack is not a sustainable business, and I'm deeply concerned that what it looks like right now is going to change um, before we have a chance to figure out how AI is going to disrupt what is left of the news business. So if I were the big news publishers in the United States, the New York Times, uh, LA Times, Gannett, uh, Tribune, Knight Ritter, so on and so forth, I would all get together in a conference room and I would say, look, it's not hard for us to build a product like notes or a product like uh, uh, any kind. We're going to aggregate ourselves. We're not going to lend this out to third parties anymore. We are going to aggregate ourselves. It is not that hard. We're going to create a cross-functional team with technology leads from all of our companies. We're going to lend them to ourselves we're going to invest this much money. It's going to be live by this date. And we're going to let people connect a credit card to it so they can read whatever story it is they want. And here's what we're going to do. We're so generous and we're so interested in two things. One, making money. Two, making sure journalism is a sustainable ecosystem that we're going to allow other writers and journalists to use our payment system for their own content. So instead of you having to whip out your credit card to for post and for Substack and whatever, imagine that that the media ecosystem writ large says that they have kind of like a PayPal for news and you can connect your credit card to it. All independent journalists have to do is agree to a terms of service and agree that that, we'll say, kind of payment layer is going to take some kind of a cut, just like Substack does. 
for the for the ability for you to be a part of this kind of news ecosystem. And you can charge whatever you want. If I'm Rachel Parker and I have my own website and I want people to pay $2.50 for every story that I write, how much easier is it going to be for people to comply with that if it's the same payment system they're using to read stories from USA Today and Time Magazine and Forbes and uh, um, what's a good one? The Atlantic and The New Yorker and um, what's left of Vanity Fair and so on and so forth. They could do that tomorrow. I'm not saying that it would be a slam dunk and I'm not saying that it would be easy, but it would be theirs. They would own it. And there is all kinds of examples historically of very competitive news companies getting together and funding cooperative projects like the Associated Press. The Associated Press is essentially a co-op. You know what else is a co-op? Visa. So Visa is a co-op between all the banking systems to agree that credit cards are a really easy way for us to pay for stuff. That's why it's accepted so universally everywhere. Um, so I think that that's what we need. I think that everybody from the, from the worlds that have the resources need to get together and agree on a cooperative news publishing platform that includes a micropayment system that can be utilized as a plug-in by any website that wants to join. And I think they need to do it pretty quickly. Um, I think that if I were if I were them, I would start. Uh, I would start now. I would start yesterday. Um, and it's going to take a lot of convincing, and it's going to take a lot of evangelists, and maybe it's going to take somebody who's kind of a respected, um, belligerent figure uh, in the world of news. I know uh, Scott Galloway has said that he thinks Barry Diller needs to be dragged out of retirement to do something like this. He specifically thinks that it should be uh, that Diller should be kind of deployed to form some sort of cooperative for news organizations to fight against uh, AI companies. Um, but they got to do something. And I think that my idea is as good as any. And um, frankly, I'm a little bit shocked that they, they've had 25 years. 25 years. They have had a generation to own the fact that our habits as consumers have taken us away from the value ecosystem of advertising when it comes to news. So any day now. I don't have a big ask for you guys this week. Normally I've ended the show with what I would call the big ask. Uh, this is a big ask free episode of trust me. We'll get back to doing some big asking next week. Um, um, enjoy the rest of the fall. It's a, uh, it's a beautiful time of year. Um, and we all know that we're heading into what's going to be a very contentious and difficult election cycle. So maybe that's my ask. Maybe my ask is that you just go outside, enjoy yourselves and, um, take in what's left of this, uh, remarkable season that is autumn. I will catch you guys next week. Thank you so much for joining me. Trust Me with Rachel Parker is a production of MidMap Media LLC producers, Rachel Parker, Adam Summer, and Sean Diller. You can find us at, at the Heartland Pod on Twitter and Threads, and you can find me, Rachel Parker, at 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 Miss Rachel P on post. Thank you so much. Bye.